Shaking today, what is going down? DC, you're the guy I'm talking to. Because you are right here with me I in the booth today. Because right we have to talk about your on the go episode that you're rolling today. Huh? Yeah, man, we got one uh, outside of the studio. It's cool. I uh, had the opportunity to sit down with Mr. Jason Fellman. Ah, J Fell. From J Fell Presents. Yes, sir. Uh, there it is. Yeah. Nice little golf clap for Jay. Super good, dude. Yeah. We sat down and, and talked a while uh, just about how he got started in the uh, the promoting game and, and just his involvement in music and whatnot. Uh-huh. And uh, we centered a lot of our conversation around the, the big MoGo Festival that's going on uh, March 3rd and 4th here in Portland, all local, yeah. all original music, a bunch of really incredible bands and artists are going to be a part of this at like tons of different venues, all the, all the good ones, Doug Fur, Star Theater, Dante's, uh, Alberta Street Pub, and the Mission Theater. Tons, tons of shows yeah, going on all over town yeah. is the kind of the point. I mean, it's like basically takes over town and you just see all sorts of local acts just crushing it. Right. Yeah. And just so many different types of music going on. So there's something for everybody. Right. And uh, like the genre bases are touched for sure. Right. And then, yeah, let's I mean, give it up for, you know. The people that have been on this program because they really had a good showing for this. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, 13, 13? thirteen. of the uh, the groups performing have been on this show. Nice. In the the, the last year, uh-huh. which is great to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it says a lot for the festival. It says a lot for you as absolutely, far as like man. nice, you know, and the acts. It says a lot for everybody. Yeah. So, so congratulations, to those bands. That's cool and. It's a great great weekend to go support local music somewhere, and uh, it's at all the great venues, so check something out. You can go Where, to mogofest.com yeah. okay, to find out the lineup, and it tells you the breakdown on, on who curated the show, several different curators uh, okay. of people that put together the lineups this year, so it's, it's really cool to see. Mogofest.com. Yeah, mogofest.com, right. and um, we're going to be featuring a couple artists that are playing MogoFest. Um we're going to feature Goldfoot in this episode, who will be playing the Doug Fur Show with Brahmins and one of my favorite Portland bands to see live, Adverse Effects. Oh, those guys are so good. They're good times. Please good check people. out the Adverse Effects videos that are on the YouTube channel. Right. Hit subscribe. But also, check out Adverse. And if you like what you hear, please don't miss that show because it's one of the greatest live shows I think going on right now in Portland. And last time they played Doug Fur, they crushed it. That venue's sweet. It sounds great in there all the time. You know, a big bumping system. So fun to play there and yeah. tweak the sound nipples in there. I love working so, in that room. That's going to be a great show. Um, also, Santi Am is playing that night at uh, the White Eagle with uh, Karen and. Fantastic. So that's cool. Those are two people that have been on the program yep. playing together. And a uh, bunch of great shows on, on Saturday as well. And uh, just check out the lineup. MogoFest.com. Also on this episode, we're going to be giving away a pair of uh, spots on the guest list. Oh. And a baseball tee. So the the tickets tickets are courtesy of JFL. And then one of the Dan Cable Presents baseball tees is going to whomever wants to share this episode up. Do they have to wear the beard and glasses to the show? No, they get it that night. They They get it that night. Oh, they get it that night. I mean, it'd be awesome if they swapped out or whatever. (laughs) But uh, we're going to give tickets away or spots on the guest (laughs) list to uh, the Goldfoot show, the Adverse Effects show, Brahmin at at Doug Doug Fur on that Friday night. So uh, if you want to get the opportunity to do that, just share this episode and tag Mogo Fest and Dan Cable Presents Podcast and let people know that you want to see Adverse Effects and Brahmin and Goldfoot and just, uh, you know, we're going to pick... I'm going to pick a lovely winner. Are you going to like basically take everybody who does that? You're going to put their name in a hat and you're going to blindly like reach in there and pull no, it up. No, we're just going to go with like who makes the most memorable posts. Oh. Like who's just like Adverse is my favorite band right. in Portland. Like I want to see these guys. You yeah, know, like gonna be, yeah, someone that shows enthusiasm for uh, for ba- the deal. Okay. Well, there you go. So those are the parameters. Yeah. Go there, share the episode, tag Mogo Fest, tag and Dan Cable Presents Podcast, Dan Cable Presents, and then. 
make a big ruckus yeah, about make why a you ruckus about why you want to do it. We're going to give people about a week to do so. Okay. And if you do it the right way, you're going to end up on the guest list for the Doug Fur that night. Sounds pretty cool. And you're going to get a baseball tee. Oh. And you're going to get some stickers. Nice. And you're going to get to see it one hell of a show. Right. Which is going to be um, outstanding. Bitch and venue. It'll be killer. So big ups to JFL for hooking it up with some uh, tickets for the listeners of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. It's really dope of him. And I really appreciate him, including me, like in the uh, getting to do some of the coverage for it this year. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's a super good dude and uh, drop some knowledge. I want to hear this because you've been, you know, I haven't, I want to hear the actual footage because you've been talking about it and, uh, and I, it sounded like he spit some solid knowledge. So I'm definitely interested to hear what JFL's got in his brain. Should yeah. we do it? Yeah, let's do this. Episode 45, JFL. Say it to do. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another on-the-go episode of Dan Cable Presents, hanging out here in Northeast Portland with uh, Jason Fellman, musician, promoter, the man behind JFL Presents, and uh, such festivals as, as Hairfest and uh, Mogo Fest, which will definitely be centering a lot of the conversation around today. But uh, welcome to the program, man. Thanks, man. I am excited to be on the program. <laughs> I just wanted to say it. Thank I, you for I, the proper enunciation. It's a program. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I first uh, met you at a MoGo event, I guess, at the Alberta Rose um, that you put on with Chris Young of uh, Vortex Magazine, and uh, just kind of one of those events of trying to empower the uh, local artists around town, and uh, that was the first time that I that I was aware of MoGo Fest, and uh, I would definitely jumped at the opportunity to help out in any way to promote the bands that were playing. So I was super stoked to uh, have the opportunity to sit down and talk to you not only about MoGo, but just kind of pick your brain a little bit about being a, a promoter in this scene. Um, I knew of you before because I was familiar with Ramble On. Uh, uh, yes, the Zeppelin tribute. Yeah, Steve Adams, uh, who is the the Jimmy Page of the group, is uh, a friend of the family. So right on. my aunt ends up at pretty much every single Ramble on show, <laughs> and so I was. I would uh, probably recognize her. <laughs> <laughs> probably, uh, but yeah, man, I just kind of wanted to start by kind of piecing some stuff together because I know that you're a musician yourself as well, and and just kind of find out how your your musical journey became and you know how you formed end up becoming a promoter in the in the portland scene yeah i'm gonna try to make a long story medium length <laughs> um, but basically you know grew up as a musician in a musical family and started playing drums you know when i was a kid and playing guitar a couple years after that and uh, when i graduated high school i went to uh, PIT, Musicians Institute in uh, California, studied drums, graduated, moved back to Oregon, did the band thing for a couple years. And I got to tell you, man, it just wasn't for me. You know what I mean? I, for whatever reason, it just, I, I found the entire process to be frustrating. And um, I realized that, you know, whatever lifestyle I wanted to lead wasn't consistent with the struggling musicians. So I decided to go off and uh, apply to go to uh, college. I went, moved to Austin, enrolled in the University of Texas. While I was there, first semester, ended up dropping out, started a marketing firm uh, with some guys I met there, plus some friends from high school. It all worked out. Uh, ended up being able to uh, move back to Portland to, uh, 10 years after founding the company. And when I moved back, I had some time on my hands. I was doing some consulting and public speaking engagements in the tech business and such. And so I always thought, well, I always wanted to do an album. That'd be cool. You know, and I had some, you know, I've been writing some songs over the years. And so I, uh, I uh, formed a band and did an album and I looked for a recording studio. I found Kevin Hahn at Opal Studio, who's actually, turns out, is one of the artists who's going to be releasing his debut CD uh, at Mogo at the Doug Fur on the nice. 4th of March. So that's kind of an interesting tie in here. So Kevin um, was the guy who recorded my album and I got to know Kevin. And in the process of, you know, promoting my original band, you know, just trying to, you know, really, you know, do mo really modest stuff, you know, Buffalo Gap, the green room at the time, you know, um, had a great gig at the White Eagle and, you know, you know, wasn't on a trajectory to make it or anything. It was just more of a, more of a hobby. And, but at the time, when bands were booked at clubs, you you know you had to do either one of two things: you either had to share the bill with four other bands, in which case you couldn't make enough money to pay anybody, or you had to take the entire four-hour night. 
So um, our strategy there was like, well, if we're going to have to do a four-hour night, we have to do something besides original music mixed with covers. We have some kind of a hook. So we came up with this idea of 80s night, you know, and it was, it was you know, the last or the 80s hour. And so the last third of the night, we'd play all 80s covers, which is, you know, that's my generation. That's why I grew up. I mean, that's why I walk around the house strumming my uh, guitar playing Howard Jones tunes. You know what I mean? So that's that, I'm that guy. And, uh, and so anyway, we did this, and it was really ended up being a popular thing, and it worked, and I had so much fun doing it. I had this realization that I enjoyed performing more than I enjoyed the process of writing and recording. And you know, I'm a really mediocre songwriter anyway. It's just not my passion, but I love to play. And so that launched me down the path of this 80s cover band. From that, we spawned um, Stone and Love, the Journey Tribute, which has become, you know, really pretty much the highest drawing band in Portland that is not a touring act of any kind. It's just, it's a, it's a force of nature, and in large part because it's Journey. Um, but anyway, uh, it, that came up around by accident because Kevin Hahn, just, I think we were all sitting around someday, maybe we were recording the, a demo for Rad Rev, I don't know, but he started singing a Journey tune while someone was strumming a guitar, and we were all like, no way. <laughs> so we had this, we were all laughing, dude, we should totally do a Journey tribute. It'll be a man, we'll call it Stone in Love. You know, we were, I mean, we're kidding, right? It was just gonna be a fun thing to do. And now it's like this really like fun, lucrative, like exciting, you know, project that fulfills my, you know, performance goals and... My 80s tribute thrives. And so anyway, in doing that, starting to do concerts, and this is where we draw the, 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 the bridge to the promoter side of things, is I was looking for someone to promote shows. I had uh, done a few. I had sold out the Aladdin Theater for a third show. And so I, but I found it to be a really tiring process as a musician and promoter in the same show. So I tinkered around a little bit and worked with some third-party promoters, but it just, I couldn't find anything that fit. And I also came to understand that, you know, one of the challenges in local music, and this is true of all local music, whether it's tribute bands or original bands, is that the show economy is so small that you know if you're going to be a promoter of original music locally, you, you can't be doing it for the money. Right. And so, unfortunately, a lot of the people who are the truly skilled at, at promoting don't get into that side of the business because they can't make a living doing it. Makes sense. It has to be a labor of love. So... Anyway, long story longer, um, I decided, well, you know, since I really can't find a relationship that's going to work to do the promoting, I'm just going to have to do it myself. And that was the beginning of it. Um, and then I got approached by another band, this Appetite for Deception, the Guns N' Roses tribute, and they were seeing what we were doing. And they were, they were and are a better band than we are. But they were looking at this going, well, geez, man, here, you know, these guys are selling out these big venues, and we're over at the back alley playing for 30 people. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we uh, ended up coming up with an arrangement. We worked together, um, and the first show we did together was the Aladdin, and we sold it out. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I see the connection between the audiences in these two bands. And so um, from this, we ended up developing the tribute scene around a philosophy of overlapping audiences. So as we add a band into the fold, um, you know, we, we look at the, you know, well, what, how does this audience relate to the other band? For example, the third band we added was Bon Jovi Tribute, which is like halfway between Guns N' Roses and Journey. Yeah. You get it. Makes sense. And this, this principle applies to original bands as well. And so fast forward a little bit, it, these tribute shows end up becoming a really lucrative and popular thing. And we, we realized that, wow, well, we have an opportunity then to kind of pay it back a little bit, which is that we can, we can bring original bands on these, sh on these shows. A great example are, are the, the series that we do, do at Doug Fur. You know, pretty much monthly, we're doing tribute shows at Doug Fur, with the exception of the summer, and most of the time, with the exception of the next two shows, ironically, but most of the time, it pairs an original band with uh, the tribute band. So, for example, um, when Petty Fever... Uh, the tri Petty uh, Tribute played uh, Wilkinson Blades, an awesome local band, uh, opened the show, and everybody loved them. We've had Pseudo Boss and Spirit Lake op and uh, um, Paradise have opened for Ramble On. I mean, just, the list goes on. Adverse Effects yeah. uh, opened for the Grand Royale. Now that we're doing show was crazy. Yeah, and so it's just it's really been a cool thing to... And to, to create a discovery opportunity for these bands, you know, we can you know, pay them a guarantee for the opening slot, and we're not relying on them to bring the fans, so it, it creates a really healthy dynamic. Eventually, um, there were enough of these original bands that we'd worked with that I thought, well, you know, I can't do one-off original shows. It's just it's too, it's too time-consuming and difficult. So what if I did a festival, you know, maybe to raise, you know... Um, can do it all at once and maybe make a little bit more noise one time rather than, you know, not much noise a lot of times. And so back in 2015, we had the first MOGO. And the model was, uh, it was Star Theater and Dante's, two nights, two venues. It was showcase style. So 
you know, five bands, 45 minutes each, no headliner, just a, you know, evenly weighted, um, somewhat eclectic lineup, uh, but nowhere near this year. You know what I mean? But it, I mean, it, it, it definitely lacked a lot of diversity, but I mean, at least we had, you know, a range from adverse effects on the hip hop side to Redwood Sun playing, yeah. you know, but, but there was a lot, I mean, we didn't have hip hop, we didn't have, I mean, we just so much we were missing that we have this year. Um, so anyway, um, we did it, and the results of the festival were uh, mixed. Um, on the plus side, um, the performances were fantastic, and the people who showed up loved them. The artists, by and large, you know, almost across the board, had really wonderful feedback about the experience. Lots of connections were made, overlapping audience connections, Super collaborations. Important. And so, um, and uh, and that was one thing. And the other thing that came out of it were these, you know, how you and I connected, which was the this educational series that I'm doing with Chris Young, uh, uh, Vortex Magazine. Um, they, uh, the, I met him originally through Mogo, and they came on board as a sponsor. And one of the strategies we had for the first Mogo is that rather than do the old hand tickets to the band and say go sell these, you know, what I mean, do that whole sort of coercive kind of you know seller else type of model, I thought. Well, what if we took a more holistic approach and we, we focused on educating and motivating musicians and empowering them to go and promote these shows rather and doing it because they are inspired to do it and because they know what to do and they have the information, they have the resources, so on and so forth. So that was the idea. So we did the first session. We did it at Star Theater. You know, Frank, who, who owns the Star Theater and uh, Dante's was really gracious and really supportive of the festival in general, I have to say. Um, but he, you know, he let us do our first one there. And so we just continued the series and we've had just amazing panelists and we're doing another one, uh, February 12th at the Aladdin theater. Yeah. And the topic is, uh, uh, turn your concert into an experience. So again, like how can you create a more, you know, compelling experience for people when they come to your show? And we're going to talk about not just production and we will talk about that, but you know, well, what happens the moment you show up? What happens before you show up? How do you communicate before and after and during? What other experiential elements and merch and, you know, um, street teaming, whatever, you know, to create a comprehensive experience that people can remember and get connected to your band through. And so our panel is, uh, we've got Travis Labby, who's the president and COO of True West. To give some context nice. there, True West owns the Aladdin, part of Revolution Hall. They are the promoter and production entity for the zoo concerts. Um, they do the production management, Travis himself, too, for Music Fest Northwest, Project Paps, 94.7. I mean, the, the, the guy's, like, you know, top dog, right? And he's seen it all. Um, so he'll be great to speak to that. Um, we've got um, one of the um, founders of What the Festival, right, which in and of itself is an amazing experience. And so clearly uh, a lot of insight there. And then a couple of the fellows from Combro Chill. And they're, um, I'm not quite sure how to describe them. I'm going to let them do it. I, I think it's categorized as EDM, but it's just one of those bands where they have a very specific experience every time people go with this neon army. And it's just it a, is an experience, um, not just a show. Yeah, and so it'll be fun to kind of hear about, you know, because if you think about it, you know, for an original band to be able to make a living as a touring act at, at their level is really, you know, that's amazing to do that. You know what I mean? No matter the genre. And uh, so it'll be cool to get their insights, you know. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, where did the the idea come about to start trying to empower some of the the local artists? Because these are free events, right? Yeah, free and and by and large all ages. As the next one's going to be. Um, well, again, uh, so I, I I I tend to look at uh, one of the things that you know I've sort of learned as an entrepreneur over the years is that if you look at the most successful people in business, they all they they have a sea of like successful people around them. You know what I mean? That they all came up together. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that whole rising tides cliche is really a true one. I mean, you know, yeah, Bill Gates is a bazillionaire, but there are a lot of bazillionaires who, yeah. are, you know, who, who came along with the ride and down and all these, you know, I mean, those stories are all over the place. So, uh, but the other one is I think about as a promoter, right? Because I'm a local level promoter and I don't do any national anything, right? Um, I am always living in a very small show economy. I'm living in the land of the $10 to $15 ticket for the most part. And so there's not a lot of money for marketing. So I'm really relying on, you know, um, creating an environment for the artist to succeed with their own promotion. I can sort of help with the last 15 to 20%, yeah. which is basically what I earn. So it makes sense, right? Um, but I can't fill a room for them. And that's one of the misnomers about people looking for managers and bookers and promoters is, you know, everybody wants some, somebody to take them to the promised land. You know, I mean, I, if I just get the right manager, I won't have to worry about booking my damn shows. And the, the cold, hard truth is in today's, you know, 
today's music world, you know, you're basically, you know, you got to be the master of your own destiny. There, there is no person waiting there to to hold your hand to take you there the record labels you know um you know they don't represent the same sort of opportunity they used to be um i mean i can go on all about a tangent on that but anyway so as a promoter i think well if musicians at large are better if, if our community of musicians are stronger promoters it makes it easier for me as a show promoter that's the punchline absolutely so it's a bit of a long game but man i, I have seen it work in the tribute scene Right? We have done this in the tribute scene. It's amazing. These guys are amazing promoters. I mean, the sellout rates for these shows are ridiculous. And I really credit it to the fact that the bands are engaged and active with their fans. You know, getting to know their fans, introducing fans to one another is actually a core strategy of building the scene. It doesn't happen by accident. Um, so, you know, those same kind of things can happen in original music. It's just as a bigger challenge with original music because the scene is so fragmented. You know, with a tribute scene, it's like everyone's kind of connected. There isn't, a, you know, you can, you know, I can put Beastie Boys and Tom Petty in the same festival, and they're all the same people are going to come. Yeah. And it's not like that in the original music scene. So I think that you know, original music, and that's bringing us to Mogo today, right? I didn't tell you what didn't go well with the last one. Uh, it, you know, the turnouts were mixed, but overall, not good, and I lost a lot of money. And I, you know, I felt bad because the venues gave me, you know, this prime weekend, you know, four shows. And so um, that was discouraging. Had you at that point already, because I feel like uh, <clears throat> if I see uh, one of your, like, JFL present shows, like a tribute show, I'm like, oh, you, if you want to go to that, like, you should get a ticket now because your shows sell out, like, pretty frequently. Yeah, most so, of them do. Like, at that point. At that point, were you already like selling out venues like with the the tribute bands then? Yeah, I mean, imagine how the humbling experience, right? Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm on one on one place. I've got this, you know, niche as a as a leader in a particular segment of the scene that's you know it's fun and profitable and rewarding as a musician, right? On the other hand, I'm, you know, I get into the other lane where you know I'm I'm still somewhat of an interloper even though I'm bringing in original bands to my show by and large I'm known as a tribute promoter and booker of cover bands and the like right um but um but you know I've always looked at this stuff as a trojan horse for original bands I mean I'll give you another example as a booking agent right I um I've had the opportunity to book the uh, Soulful Giving Foundation concert um, at the Yoshida Estate. It's a huge fundraiser raising, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for cancer. It's a really prestigious event, right? And um, I was fortunate enough to play it with with a couple of my bands last year and booked the, the a four tribute band lineup. But um, I got asked to do it again this year, and and this year I was able to present a balanced lineup that included one cover band, two original bands, Haley Johnson and Goldfoot. Nice. Um, and then a couple of tribute bands. And so uh, I'm excited about it because on the one hand, um, it's going to be a great experience for the audience to, to have that blend of music. You know what I mean? That's a great kind of flow of the day and alternating between cover and original, familiar and not. Uh, but also, like how cool I've been able to leverage my role as a, as a, as a um um, an active booker of, of opportunities for tribute bands to create original band opportunities and same with, as a promoter and so I've kind of had to look at, at Mogo the same way and um, and also just realize that what I learned from that is that I can't approach it the same way I mean that was one of the lessons I mean and also I did all guarantees for all 20 artists and that's really where I ate it yeah and I'm not doing that again this year but it's a really good deal the deal is an 85-15 split for um, after the expenses, which are modest at most of these venues. So, I mean, 85 15. So, as a promoter, we take 15%. And then, if there's a curator, which we'll talk about, the curator gets half of that. So, most of these I'm getting about 7.5% on. I'm not going to make money on this thing, but I don't need to. I just don't want to lose my ass. Right. That's all. You just want, yeah. It's all. You know, I I'm looking totally at this. Understand. Is, this is, this is my community thing. You know, I got uh, all this over here is my core business with the tributes and all that. This is my opportunity to, like, you know, everybody in their, their sort of professional life, you kind of choose what your thing is going to be, and this is my thing. That's um, awesome, man. I also got a really encouraging uh, email from the owner of, of Dante's, who's, you know, again, not, you know, he's a pretty busy guy, and, you know, he wrote a really, you know, really nice note, really complimentary about the, the first festival, and he thought that we should do it again and felt like we just made some, some you know, some some structural changes, it could be really successful. And one of the suggestions that I, that they made 
was to move to a strong headliner model. So move away from the you know the showcase model with everyone's right. evenly weighted, and and and, in, and also in the process, you know, making e- each show is you know genre specific, and that's going to make it a little easier to get traction. I think what we noticed was you know la- this last time we had a wristband where you could go back and forth in the whole bit, but the reality was most people were just coming to see the one or two bands they knew, and you know nobody was interested in that you know the back and forth experience other than maybe like a dozen people. So. Um, one of the changes we made was to 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 move to a model where um, each show has a strong headliner and or a specific theme. You know what I mean? Some of the shows are still evenly weighted, but they all you know it's not no one show is uber eclectic like it was uh, before. Um, but the other realization I had is that uh, oh, and I had a, a really uh, interesting exchange with David Greenwald from the Oregonian. I was frustrated that he wasn't covering the festival and. Um, you know, we had an exchange about it, ended up getting, um, coffee and he, I mean, I got, really got to credit the guy because he gets a bad rap, but he was really specific about why he wasn't covering it and, um, what would actually make something like that compelling. And one of the things he said was, you know, first of all, you know, as with every newspaper, there's now, you know, one of me to cover all matters of music. And it's just, it's not my mandate to cover local music. And, you know, I can barely, you know, it's just, it's not. That's not his fault. Yeah. Second of all, he's like, I don't know any of these bands. And, and at that point, I'm like, the light bulb went off. And I'm like, of course not. Like, I chose, I, what I did was really connected to all these different bands that I had been curating uh, opening for these tribute shows. But that was a relatively small circle of bands. And so that was when the light bulb went off. And I thought, what I need to do is I need to reach out to people who are captains of different parts of the scenes or have some sort of unique angle or hook and insights into in the genres and venues and places that I am oblivious. And so we came up with this. The, the model that, that, that I decided on was this curator model. And that's one of the things that's making this year's MOGO special. The curators are essentially co-promoters, right? And their role is to put shows together around certain genres. So let's talk about specific curators for this, because I, yeah, be, uh, I think these are going to be familiar to a lot of your listeners. Farnell Newton of the Other Ship Connection, right? I mean, the dude is one of the top music human beings in town right now, you know, in just period, right? He's everywhere. And um, so originally he, he was going to be curating a couple of shows at Jimmy Max. And of course, you know, everything that happened with Jimmy and that, you know, obviously a very heartbreaking situation. But um, but he, you know, we, we lost those shows, but he's still able to put together a couple of really cool shows. One of them is at the Secret Society. So the jazz show, Love Coco Columbia, Coco Columbia, Corgi and Bass and Glasses. Yeah, I've had uh, Corgi and Bass and Glasses. I've both uh, been on on the show before, so... I mean, a ridiculous yeah. deal. That show will sell out. Oh, yeah. I mean, a venue that size, it'll be intimate, and the vibe will be so... I mean, and I love it because, again, I, 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 Glasses, I was, I, was in, I, was, I was hip to, but if I had you know, approached uh, you know, Coco or any number of these artists in the festival, they'd be like, who the world? who's this guy? The hip-hop guy is really... But I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> with the, who's the guy holding the, 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 the... With the Journey tribute bass drum on his, on his uh, you know, profile pic, right? So... Again, um, that you know, so Farnell and put that show together, and then another one is amazing show at the Goodfoot on Saturday yeah, night. I'm super the, uh, stoked the, uh, for that uh, one. The Funk Soul Partay, we're calling it, and it's uh, 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 Beatzilla, Michael Beatzilla, Whitmore, and uh, Arietta Ward, and Tyrone Hendricks. I mean, it's it's a really really solid bill, and I, I'm sure I'm not supposed to say this yet, but I'm sure Farnell is going to play it that night. I'm sure he'll be <laughs> nice. There. Yeah, it just that the other ship connection has got an important show. Um, you know, uh, at the uh, Revolution Hall the week before that we're you know want to be respectful of, and, um, and then so so he's got those Westicana presents. You know, Redwood Sun, Josh Malm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He, he has a really, really, really uh, big footprint. Um, I, I he he's been an amazing asset to the festival and putting shows together. Um, and uh, you know, he put together one of the Mission Theater shows with uh, Tyler Stenson, who's a you know a, a well-reputed and award-winning songwriter. Um, he's doing an album release, um, and we've also got Lance Kinnaird and uh, Northhead, which I guess is somewhat of a reunion, if I understand it, uh, for them getting back together and kind of getting active again. So he put together that show, um, as well as. Um, uh, a pair of shows at um, the Ponderosa Lounge, and he set up. You know, again, Ponderosa Lounge. I would have had no insight into. You know, it's just not my scene. But what a cool kind of, 
you know, I mean, I like having that represented. You know what I mean? Because that's part of the Portland music experience. Definitely. So um, Louis Longmire, Blue City Diesel, McDougal on one night, right? And then the other night we've got the Get Ahead, the Res Electrics, and uh, Matt Hopper. That's awesome. Right. So man. those are you know those are great bills, and you know, and tickets to all these shows, everything's like between five and fifteen bucks. I mean, it's just nothing is expensive here. Um, and and one of the doozies that he put together that he's actually playing on. And this is probably he's probably the the most you know well known artist in the festival at this point. I would say Scott Pemberton, right at uh, Star Theater on Friday with Redwood Sun and Tony Smiley. That's a deep show. I mean, you know Timberrock, right? Scott's a you know a local legend already, and he always packs that place. So I mean, I feel you know shout out to uh, Royal Artist Group, the, his booking agency, and Eric Gerber for for uh, for helping us make that happen and really appreciative to Scott for doing this. Um, cause I think it lends credibility to the festival. Absolutely. Um, man. And then also, um, Josh also helped, uh, you know, uh, put together with Westacana, um, both of the wild hair saloon shows. So one other thing too, is we're, we're trying to be, um, as regional as possible to cast a wide footprint, you know, because there are lots of counties and, you know, the live music experience. So any, any venue that's, you know, treating customers right and, and treating musicians right and creating a good music experience for fans, like those are the types of venues we want in the festival. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's got got uh, those shows and, and a couple of albums. Jackalope Saints and uh, Shane Brown. Yeah, yeah, man, that's an amazing one. Jackalope Saints are they're really unreal, good. and they've also been on the show. Uh, yeah, man, I was uh, I was just overall just super pumped uh, to see that. I think fourteen of the artists I've had on the podcast this year ha- are are a part of Mogo Fest, so it makes me feel good about what what I'm. Uh, promoting or well, what's the bands interesting, that I'm that, having you know, on, the, the, so. to your credit yes because if you think about it these artists were the ones that were selected by the curators yeah right so clearly you're getting the people that are <laughs> you know um you know have the reputation the scene uh oh and the other one was the thesis that, i mean that's one of the other ones too the thesis obviously doing the, the hip-hop and they're also doing a reggae night at dante's with blossom and um and both you know and we got mike capes and dante thomas over at the start yeah, it's man. ridiculous right i mean really you know top rated guys and so um well yeah. one of my favorite shows of the uh lineup is i think the the friday night show at the doug fur yeah. with uh brahman and adverse effects who is Probably, I think I've said it before. Probably my favorite live local band to see right now, and you're, so you're rocking the shirt right now. I'm wearing it. Yep. I just can't say enough good things about how wild those dudes throw down, and just the musicianship and Josh and uh, and Boyd as MCs are yeah. incredible, and uh, so much fun to see them open that Grand Royale show a month or two ago. And to see them at the Doug Fur again is probably where I will definitely find myself on Friday night. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, this would be a good time to throw throw in a little musical break with the Goldfoot because they will also be a part of that lineup. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're, we're going to play a song from Goldfoot called On the Floor right now. This is Goldfoot. Check them out. Friday, March 3rd, Mogo Fest going down.
All right, that was uh, Goldfoot with On the Floor. Uh, we're talking Mogo Fest going down March 3rd and 4th. How many different venues is, is it going to be at this year? There are 11 venues uh, and then 12, if you count Kelly's Olympian, where we're going to have the opening party on Thursday night. What's uh, the uh, opening party? Yeah, so it's, um, it's going to be cool. I mean, it's, it's really uh, you know, an, an industry type event. You know, we're going to be playing songs um, all night long from Mogo artists only. So Kelly Jones from Portland Notes, who has launched a, like a thousand song all local. And yeah. She's one of the cute. She put together the White Eagle shows, and they're really, really good shows. Yeah, that's uh, there's a a show with uh, Kai on the Mountain and Larissa Birdseye and Wim Grace, I believe. Yeah, and I need the man who I think is doing yeah. an album release at that's that show. Awesome. And yeah, that'll be cool. Um, yeah, and she did Santee Am and Corner and Carrie Ann with the Colin Trio, but also she put an all-ages show together. Um, I'm going to screw up her name. Is it Neve? Yeah. Is no, you're it? right. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's such a crazy spelling because yeah, yeah. it's the, the Gaelic spelling. And Boxing Day and Death by Thumb. And, and uh, we... Uh, that... Don't sleep on that show is Neve what I'm telling people. Unreal. Yeah, that 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 whole lineup is really good, and um, it's one of several all ages shows that we have in the festival. So I'm excited that we got that element, and hopefully, you know, I mean, there's you know, as as much ground as we covered, honestly, there's 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 I have to acknowledge that there's still a lot of that we didn't get. For example, heavy metal, just it's just not there, um, and a big reason for that is that there's a um, Ceremony of Sludge at the following weekend, and a lot of the folks who really would have been the logical curators, I reached out to them. They were already committed to that festival, so maybe next year we'll, you know, coordinate a little bit and maybe, you know, have them happen on the same weekend. But um, I missed. I, that's that's one I really missed. It's got to be room for improvement, you know. No, I, I totally can't nail it. Yeah, I love to have time. house concerts too. You know, more underground would, kind of thing. That would be a, a pretty awesome element to, to just have, like maybe a couple house shows. Because it's part of the scene. You know what I mean? It's a big part of the scene, um, especially in the in the Northwest and places that have awesome basement setups like yeah, that. And those house I mean, shows. The whole goal of the festival is just to promote the Portland music scene. That's it, right? It's like I, I would love it to brand it as the weekend that Portland goes out to see live local music, and it's all original bands. It's all local. All local venues, you know, everybody wins, right? Absolutely, because um, you know people don't necessarily, I think, in Portland overall, on uh, mass, right? When they're looking, at, what am I going to do with my weekend night? You know, I'm going to go see a local band. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't crack the top ten. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like it, but it, it could. It, but it could. It seems uh, for someone that goes out anywhere from three to like five nights a week to go see local music, it is always very hit or miss. But uh, yeah, hopefully these are the types of events that open the eyes to the people that maybe don't seek it out very much and like, oh shit, there's tons of great bands here because, I mean, there's 50 on this list, but there's probably another 50 great bands in this city and it just seems like it's growing and growing. Yeah, mm. our total RS count will be over 60. That's awesome. Put the final lap's amazing, yeah. That's killer, man. Uh, is there any particular shows that uh, you did not curate that, that you would... Uh, you would say to to look out for? Well, um, gosh. I mean, I know we've we've yeah, mentioned I mean, quite a few. I, of them I mentioned, already. you know, I think I mentioned that the you know the two thesis shows. Uh, one of the shows that's really cool um, that uh, Veronica Booking um, helped put together. Veronica Medici. Um, it's the uh, Pinnacles show uh, over at uh, Dante's on Saturday night. Um, Pinnacles are one of the best live bands in Portland. Uh, by I'm not accounts. familiar. Yeah, they're they're, they're really good, um, and they're also the, the part of the team up is Cambrian Explosion. Oh, right? they're one of my favorites for and, sure. And so, uh, and then Liquid Light, which is a, a do those guys are amazing. Yeah, right? they're they're great as and, well. And so we have like a psych rock show. I mean, yeah. how awesome is that, right? Cambrian is next level. Those shows, yeah. I've seen them in venues, and I've seen them at house shows, and I'm always just incredibly blown away. It was super awesome. Yeah. Have them in the studio. So I think year. that that's a really cool show, and of course uh, Haley Johnson, Ember Scottu, and Sarah Weil at Mission Theater. That's an amazing show. Absolutely. Right? Um, and um, you know we've got uh, also got shows even as far out as the Gemini and Lake Oswego, like the June Bugs with the um, with Pretty Gritty. Yeah. Friday at the Gemini, right? Pretty gritty. Um, huh? And they got a great sound system out there. I mean, I don't think people a lot realize that what, what's going on out at that venue. And the Rock Tarts, which is uh, just a really fun band, um, playing their Saturday night. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just all good. Oh, uh, you know, uh, Rolla Music. This is actually really cool. Um, at the Alberta Street Pub on Friday night, the Fur Coats, King Who, and Enjoy Things. Enjoy Things is great. I just saw yeah. them recently. They're a very cool band. Yeah. And uh, I, I really, people ought to check out Rolla Music, but he's got a cool thing going. I don't know if you've connected with him yet. I'm not. He, uh, he's from Austria. Okay. And uh, he either relocated or, or, well, he relocated here and either has rebased it or this is now another location for his label that is already active in Europe. And so he's got bands touring Europe. Like Fox and Bones was one that he just sent out on uh, and came back on a European tour. So he's a guy who's, who I think people need to keep an eye on because he's able to you know create worldwide opportunities for local artists. So that's a really interesting guy um, to have involved in the festival. And I think next year, too, we'll get him involved earlier because he's got a bazillion bands. Um, yeah, that's killer, definitely. man. So as somebody that's been um, on the on both sides on the promoting side and and playing some some really large shows uh is is promoting a little more nerve-wracking than than just being the person that has to play music yeah i mean there, there's i mean it's 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 a the whole thing's a double-edged sword right i mean it's um like basically being a promoter is, is going to sound really weird because i promote so many shows it is not my core business believe it or not um, you know, the majority of my revenue comes from booking and performing. The two bands I'm in actually make really good money. And um, the reason I got into promoting is because it, it perpetuates opportunities as a musician. And, um, and if you're going to do something, you ought to do it well um, yeah. or try. But beyond that, though, it doesn't like bring me that much joy. It's not like, you know, if I had to choose between the two, it's like a no-brainer. Like it's mu musician all the way. Um, and, and, and candidly, I am sort of reaching a point where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, do I need to make a decision here? Because I'm not sure that, it, that I can't sustain this pace. Like my body's breaking down because I can't maintain it. And it's stressful because there's so many things that are out of your control. It's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, we had a, a, at our peak 50 employees at my last company. And, you know, it was that was stressful. And so I've really I've really made sure I've sworn off having any employees. So I have no employees. I have a lot of partners. You know, Bozik from Bozik Digital does it ton of social media for me and um you know true west and on the production side and lorenzo de vargas my stage guy and our whole stage crew you know a lot of partners davin my, my buddy who does a lot of graphic design for me um yeah i rely on those people heavily right on man well aside from uh like doing the podcast and stuff this this last year and getting that going i've started to to dabble a little bit in the in the show promoting so you're definitely one of those those dudes in the scene that that i see as an established person and somebody that's like very inspiring to like how do you reach that level of you know selling out shows and i, I know a lot of that you've said is is much easier to do with a lot of the tribute bands and they, sure. they seem to yeah. draw those crowds i guess just because of the nostalgia for the music and yeah also like to your credit, you're putting together shows with really awesome tribute bands. They're not. I mean, like tribute shows are have not always been my thing, but the two bands that I've seen that that you've put shows together for, like I've seen Ramble on a few times, and just mind blowing. It's like, ridiculous, right? It's yeah. And yeah, I don't know what planet Rich Ray the singer comes from, yeah. but it is not Earth. And like I'm a pretty big Zeppelin fan. I wouldn't say like I'm a big like Zeppelin nut or anything. So like that that was impressive, but for me to see the Grand Royale show, I'm a huge <laughs> oh, Beastie Boys fan and super like I don't know as as somebody that's kind of just like a huge fan of one of those bands, I think you can walk into one of those shows a little skeptical and Absolutely. like oh what kind of gimmicky shit are we gonna see Absolutely, here? Absolutely, yeah. So to see those guys throw down that Beastie Boys set, I it was unreal. I had so much fun and, and just to see the energy that those guys carry out with. The backing band is like the secret weapon. The right? band. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the MC is amazing, right? Oh, they're, yeah. they're awesome, right? They got the, the, the whole package, but, but, but the secret weapon is that band. The secret weapon is Archie on the Archie bass. Archie on the bass. <laughs> yeah, dude, totally. Who dude, also, I love yeah, that guy. And he plays in Cambrian Explosion. Yeah, I didn't even realize oh, that until recently. Yeah. I, was, I was like, so I'm like, how am I going to get to that? that? This is the real conundrum for Mogo for me, by the way. So Kevin Hahn, right, the lead singer of Stone and Love, is releasing his first uh, ever um, solo project as an original artist, right? And uh, and so he's doing that Doug Fur, And so I, I got to be there for that, right? How can yeah, I, no, I got to introduce that. So I'm yeah. like, 
Uh, I wish I could have had a teleporter. But like I said, man, I'm just super impressed with like what with what you do, and definitely someone I I look towards for uh, you know just to, oh, well, to reach likewise, those types just, types of levels, it. and and it's exciting to to kind of start dabbling in some of those those show promotions and booking some bigger rooms. Like I feel like I you know I've done some some smaller things where it's like either a free show or just a very small cover, but like to experiment and do. Uh, I did the secret society for my my holidays party, and that was kind of the first bigger room that. For sure. And it is just so stressful. Like, I I don't think I've ever been more stressed out about people showing up to a show because I mean I definitely grew up as a musician as well and and played tons of shows and it's always kind of like, oh, is anybody going to show up tonight? But when you are the one responsible for putting together the bill, yeah, it just it becomes a a much different thing. So like to see people show up. I was I was just so relieved. It's so it's hard. Like, guys, it's like oh, what a high! All yeah, these yeah. bands aren't gonna have to play to an empty room tonight. You know, like everybody's. You know, maybe they're not gonna make tons of money, but everybody's gonna get paid tonight, and you know, no one lost their ass. Absolutely. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it's uh, um, like we were talking about at the beginning. I mean, you know, to to be a promoter of original local music, like it's it's you know, it's important that people do this because we just, you know, it, it's the bridge between the artists, you know, and, and the fan base, because as, as much as, you know, as much training and whatnot, though, as we can provide and all that, the, you know, that which creates a good artist, oftentimes are personality traits, which are counter to that, which makes a good marketer. Absolutely. And I think a lot of musicians, you know, I think everybody just has to do their best and step outside of their comfort zone when it comes to self-promotion. But, you know, as promoters, the flip side of this, and, you know, one of the, one of the sort of the lessons over the years is that you just have to accept that just some people, it just, just not in their DNA. You know yeah. what I mean, you can't force the issue. Um, and it's interesting, you know, you're talking about your experience as a show promoter. It really, like, do you find that it, like, makes you sort of, like, question, like, okay, like what, when, when you start getting stressed out by the show, what is it I'm really worried about? Am I worried that the venue's going to, you know, am I wor- I'm worried about my relationship with the venue because I, I want to be able to book more shows Absolutely. here. I worry about my credibility with the artists. I, I, I worry about, you know, the financial results and what I've committed. You know what I mean? My yeah. reputation. It's amazing, like, how many different concerns there are, right? Right. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was talking to, I did a, um, it was really cool. One of the organizations I'm involved with is called Music Workshop. Really cool. They provide these free education programs to, uh, um, uh, elementary schools around the world and it's started right here in Oregon I play a fundraiser for every year and maybe we did a module on careers but anyway but back to the topic we, we were talking about um, show promoting and the analogy I used was it's a lot like um, playing uh, poker which is that you you know you it, it's a it's a series of hands in which you basically try to you know you start by playing a good hand you want you know in promotion it's like when you put a good bill together at the right venue at the right date at the right price you want to create circumstances to be successful despite that let's say for example it snows like it did on our wonder ballroom <laughs> show recently right i mean you know you just things happen right and um and so but i think that it's a continuum and so the the, the one thing i realize is that it was. It used to be really easy to get caught up of the successful success or failure of one show, and then I realized that sometimes, even if you do everything right on a show, it still doesn't go well. But if you do that same thing over time with the right decisions, you end up coming out ahead. Promoters just have to be able to stomach the swings. That's the bottom line. Absolutely, and you have to not lose your mind over it, like or attempt to yeah. like just realize how much stuff is out of your control yeah. for it. But I don't know. It's like when it when it works out i'm sure it's you know it's all smiles yeah and, and well and and also it's you know <laughs> it's it's a if you know it's cool too and like in your situation where you've also got a podcast and you're also an artist it's like these things will all work in synergy yeah for sure it's nice to have like a weekly platform to you know be able to prom- promote shows and stuff but that definitely you know doesn't guarantee anybody's going to show up you know so you just just gotta hope and and hope that you've curated the the right lineup, especially when you're dealing with all local artists, you know. Yeah. And but I don't know. I've found also like if you can form good relationships with those bands and stuff, like going into the show, it's like they know that the intentions are are right. So like maybe we don't sell out the show, but like you know that I put the work in. Yeah, you know? they can like, see. Like, yeah, I mean... Like, yeah, hey, Dan's I, hustling to try to put together, yeah. like, a good show. So. I think transparency and, and good intentions really go a long way as a promoter locally because promoters just naturally 
are not trusted. Yeah. You know, and you know, for folks like you and I who are also musicians, it really helps because first of all, we understand that viewpoint. I mean, we're always going to try to put together a musician friendly, and we because we have to turn around and literally play shows with the people that we're promoting Absolutely. the week before. So, I mean, obviously, that's going to be on your mind, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting that dynamic in and of itself becomes interesting. Cool, man. It's fun to sit down with you and, and chat and pick your brain about this type of stuff. Uh, where can people find out all the information for, for MOGO? Is it MOGOFest.com? Yeah, the nice thing is we've got the handle MOGOFest everywhere. So awesome. it's MOGOFest.com or on Instagram uh, or on Facebook or on Twitter. It's all MOGOFest. And so you can connect on your platform of choice. The nice thing about the website, I will say, is that in addition to links to all the event pages for each of the shows, we've also got links to all of our podcasters and radio supporters. So, yeah, for example, that. if you uh, look on the MoGo page, you might see the Dan Cable podcast. I was pretty Thanks. stoked when I was browsing the website the other day. I was just like, oh, I'm on this yeah. I'm on this website. That's, the, that's the, rad. The coolest thing about a fe- this is the other thing, too, is that you know the nice thing about a festival like this where you don't have the pressure of necessarily making a bunch of money, and by the way, I do think one could make money with this with sponsorships and the future i just don't like i mentioned this to dj cliff the other day it's like when it comes to sponsors i don't like to approach sponsors until after i built the thing yeah you know what i mean i like to come in with a position of strength and and proof that i can deliver what it is i'm promising it makes the pitch infinitely easier so absolutely i you know i am very fortunate to have folks like you and folks from portland radio project and and x-ray i mean both x-ray and prp are both sponsoring this thing how cool is that yeah shout out to my man luke neal from prp Yeah, Luke's got a lineup of eight Mogo artists coming yeah, on. Uh, Luke's Luke's uh, been a really good fed. dude to me, and we we're definitely uh, you know appreciate <laughs> with what one another is doing on a weekly basis. Um, oh, you know, and I, I, one more thing, I gotta I gotta give it to Vortex, right? So Chris Young, and I mean, it, what an awesome partner in something like this. I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, he's an awesome guy to produce these. Um, these educational forums with because his knowledge base and his connectivity to the Portland music scene is so deep and he's he's not just working at the musical level he's working at the social level and at yeah. the economic level he's a guy who makes connections he clearly like has a you know a passion for the scene which I think is just so important right now um, I mean the fact that we have a print magazine like that and, and just he's just there everywhere right and the, the breadth of genres um, but the other thing is for the festival like he was the one who connected me with the thesis he was the one who connected me with role of music um, he was the one, um, you know, who, who had connected me with X-Ray. So, I mean, it's really been a, an invaluable relationship. And I just can't, you know, say enough about how much appreciation I have for what those guys are doing in the local music scene. Right yeah, now. it's such a rad publication, too. Like, the things that, I mean, they always have great stuff and, and write-ups going on, like, on the website and whatnot. But the, the actual physical publications that are always super clean and really awesome. It's nice to get something in your hand, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm you know I'm I'm 44. Uh, I'm not old necessarily, but I'm old but enough. But you remember what it's like to yeah, get a I magazine. Yeah, I come from the analog world originally, yeah, and, sure. and uh, you know, so I mean, I I still have a paper subscription when they'll deliver it. <laughs> you know, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm super stoked to experience Mogo Fest this year, man. I think it's going to be really great. All the bands that are that are on the lineup are going to crush and i hope people could tons of people come out to check out what we got going on in this wonderful portland music scene yep i always say man i don't care which show you go to at mogo just go yeah absolutely uh cool man um aside from that where where can people keep up with uh other shows that you're putting together like, where's the best place yeah i mean uh you know, JFL Presents is the name of my company. My name is Jason Fellman. You could just type Portland Tribute Bands into Google and you're probably <laughs> gonna find me somehow. I'm you know, um, you know, but honestly, I, I will say that, you know, my crusade, you know, certainly with, with this, you know, appearance and, and just in general, you know, our tribute scene is great and I welcome anybody into it, man. There's always room, it's super fun. Um, but I really hope that people will, you know, open their minds for a weekend, go hear something new. You know, I hope that musicians will share this, you know, not only people who are playing, but hey, if you're not playing, maybe even if you can't afford to go see a show, at least, you know, share it. You know what I mean? Let's get the word out because ultimately this is about getting people out to appreciate and be a part of the local music scene, you know, and to do it for the future. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like you said, even if you're a musician, maybe that didn't get chosen to to play this year, like you should 
you should be interested in what's going on and, and aspire to hopefully get on the lineup next year. If it works this year, I it would not be a stretch to say that we could at least double the number of shows. I mean, I think that would not be a, an outlandish thing to say. Awesome, man. Uh, you're going to have to help me with the enunciation on uh, Mbruscatu. I, I mess it up every time. I and think we're it's gonna, You said it. I'm, I'm guessing. And we're going we're gonna to play uh, this episode out with a uh, song off of their uh, self-titled album, Elementi. That's the, the self-titled track off, off of that album. And uh, what night are they playing? Saturday Before. night at the Mission Theater. The, uh, with Haley Johnson. With Haley Johnson. And, and Sarah Wilde. Sarah, Sarah Wilde. Who's the first guest on this, this program. Oh. First in-studio guest was, was Sarah Sarah Vitor when she yeah. when she was still and she's going an on awesome her, performer. Oh, her I mean, performances yeah. are super great, always super committed and and very well thought out. It seems. And incidentally, she holds the record for most. She you know every once in a while, artists will ask to go sell tickets. I don't you know go say you have to go do this or anything like that. But she asked to do it, and she holds the record for the most tickets sold by an opening act at a show that I promoted. Nice. Yeah, she moved like over a hundred tickets. That's killer. Yeah, amazing, <laughs> amazing. All right, this is uh, Ember Scatu with uh, Elementi. Uh, JFL, thanks for, thanks for hanging with me, man. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Uh, we got to have you say it's a program to properly end the show. It's a program. Yeah. Siamo elementi irripetibili. A saltare in danze pirotecniche Mentre una sposa si sposa Un'altra piange il suo uomo Siamo elementi irripetibili Elementi Siamo elementi a volto diabili Accecati dal potere, incontrollabili Edifichiamo i palazzi sulle nostre macerie Siamo elementi a volto di abili It's a program.